thanks for tuning in to this week's message on the Antioch Indy Podcast. We're a church that exists to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. We hope you encounter Jesus today while you listen to this message. Have an amazing day. Matthew chapter 11, head that way. We'll get there here in just a second. If you are new with us this morning, I know we, we've said hi uh, several times already, but if we haven't met, my name's Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Is anybody glad you're not at church alone today? It's kind of the point, right? That we don't do this alone. So glad that you're here. Um, every January, we start a, we, we spend our January talking a lot about vision for the year, what God is calling us to. And uh, every year we spend the, the end of a year saying, God, what are you speaking into our new year? And January is our time. It's kind of big vision month for us. So if you haven't been around here during a January, that's what January is all about. And last year or last week, we started a series that we are going to be in for at least a handful of weeks, potentially all 52 weeks of this year. TBD. We may stick with it. I don't know. But the word that we feel like God is speaking to us this year as a church is this word, the gloves are off. The gloves are off. And uh, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like, ooh, what's that mean? And so we are exploring that together uh, because like we talked about last week, when God does something or says something that confuses you a little bit, it's not because he's pushing you away, it's because he's pulling you in close. And I'm thankful this year that God has given us a word that's a little bit confusing because it means that there's an invitation to come close. Sometimes things make perfect sense, sometimes they don't. Amen, anybody? All right. So we love coming in close. Last week, we started uh, the series with a message called The Gloves Are Off My God. The Gloves Are Off My God. And I hope that if you were here, it blessed you and encouraged you. If you were not here, it's on the internet, so you can go check it out. And since it's on the internet, you can trust it. Uh, this week, uh, I want us to continue our, our series, and this is why you've got notes out at the top of your page. You can write the title of the message this morning, part two of our series, The Gloves Are Off. The Gloves Are Off Myself. The Gloves Are Off Myself. And we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 11 this morning. If you're there, shout at me, I'm there. I'm here. Awesome. Such a good looking church. So fun. All right, Matthew chapter 11, we're going to read 12 verses starting uh, in verse 1. So it's easy to find. Would you read along with me, follow along? It says this in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, we're talking about John the Baptist here. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and he said to Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised and the poor have, been, have had good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, John's disciples, Jesus began to speak to the crowd around him concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? Has God ever asked you a question over and over again? He's getting at something. So if you're in the middle of the questioning, it's okay. You're getting somewhere. 
What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he, John the Baptist, of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Have you ever read the Bible and then thought, wow, that is not what I thought that was going to say? If not, let me help you out in case you missed it. Verse 12, Jesus, you know, Jesus, like sweet, cozy, comfy, cliche, bumper sticker Jesus. You know that one? Verse 12, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Great, now we're all on the same page. We've all been there. We've all read the Bible now and thought, wow, that is, that is not what I thought that was going to say. I, I did not know that Jesus talked like that. That is not the verse I was anticipating us talking about in church this morning. If you expected it, raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Well, I think that's good. I think it's good. I I think it's really good that sometimes the Bible says what I don't expect it to say. And I I think it's good sometimes that Jesus says what I don't expect him to say. Because whether you've ever read the Bible or not and had that thought before this morning, whether you've ever heard something from God and thought, wow, that's not what I I thought that you were going to say. I'm fairly confident, maybe almost completely confident that at some point in your life, you have had a conversation. You have left a doctor's appointment. You have gotten off the phone, you have come out of a meeting, you have woken up in the morning and looked around at some place, at some point in your life and thought, wow, that is not how I thought that was going to go. That is not how I thought that was going to go. If you've been around church much in your life, you've probably heard of John the Baptist. Anybody familiar with the name John the Baptist? It's a participation sport at church. Anybody familiar with the name John the Baptist? It's okay. It's not a trick question. (laughs) Even if you haven't been in church much, you've probably heard of John the Baptist. Pretty pretty famous guy. His name gets around. And uh, as as we read uh, the book of Matthew, the, the biography of Jesus that is the book of Matthew, this isn't actually even the first time that we meet John the Baptist. If you read chapters 1 through 11, you'll see John the Baptist's name several times. So what we're reading here in Matthew 11 isn't the first introduction that we get to John the Baptist. But, and, but regardless of if you've read Matthew 1 through 10 or if you have heard of John the Baptist before, here in chapter 11 of the book of Matthew, Jesus actually gives us quite an introduction to this man. So whether you have a background of him or not, we learn everything we need to know right here from Jesus about this man, John the Baptist. Jesus introduces him to us because John has sent some of his followers to Jesus to ask Jesus a question. Jesus responds to them. They all head out. And then Jesus is not just with John's disciples. He's with the crowd. Jesus usually had a crowd around him. And how many of you know there's lots of different types of people in crowds? And so if you're one of those lots of different type of people, it's okay. You're allowed in church. You're allowed around Jesus. Jesus is surrounded by crowds. He talks to John's disciples. Now he is turning to the crowd. And once John's disciples are gone, he turns to the crowd and he starts to speak to them about this man, John the Baptist. And I want to read verses 7 through 11 again. 
It says, as the disciples, John's disciples went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So who is John the Baptist? Who is the man that Jesus sees in John the Baptist? In verse 7, he says to the crowd, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? It's a rhetorical question from Jesus. I think that's pretty clear. And the answer is no. This crowd would have been familiar with John the Baptist like we are today. Many of them would have gone out into the wilderness to see him preach. And Jesus asked them, what then did you go out to see in the wilderness? A a reed shaken by the wind? And he's saying, no, no, no. He's talking to us about the character of John. The character of John that Jesus sees in this man, John the Baptist. He was strong. John was resolute. He was consistent. He He wasn't shaken by opinions or what was cool or what people wanted of him. He wasn't shaken by the wind and the waves of life. He had integrity. He was secure in the thing God had called him to do. Go John the Baptist. Jesus continues his introduction to us of this man. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. What did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a fancy guy? He says, no, if you want to see a fancy guy, you just go to the palace. But you went out in the wilderness to see John. John wasn't fancy. John wasn't trying to impress anybody. He was actually a pretty eccentric fella, wearing camel's hair and eating bugs and all that kind of stuff. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. He was a humble man. He knew who God had called him to be. He was doing what God had called him to do. And he didn't really mind what you thought about it. He was going to do it. Verses 9 through 10. Another question from Jesus as we are introduced to John. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Jesus says, yes, that's who you went out to see. This man, John the Baptist, he's a prophet. And I tell you more than a prophet. This, John the Baptist, is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Wow. John wasn't a reed shaken by the wind. He wasn't a fancy pants trying to impress somebody. He was a prophet. And he wasn't just a prophet. He was a prophet that prophets prophesied about. He was was a prophet that that prophet said, you keep your eyes open for this prophet who's coming. He's going to be a great prophet. And and the reason this prophet is going to come that we're prophesying about is because he's going to be the last one who makes the way for the Messiah. I mean, he's like the prophet. That's who you went out to see. And then in verse 11, Jesus ends his wail of an introduction to John the Baptist by saying this. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Wow. John the Baptist. That's John the Baptist. That's the John the Baptist I've heard about that you've probably heard about. And when I read this in the Bible, uh, I expect the Bible to say that. I expect the Bible to say that about John the Baptist because John the Baptist is a Bible hero. So, of course, the Bible has amazing things to say about the superstar Bible heroes that we all know about. It just makes sense. It's why he's a Bible hero. I expect the Bible to say about John what it says about John. I expect Jesus to say what he says about John in verses 7 through 11. But what I don't expect What I don't expect is is what John the Baptist asks of Jesus in verses 2 through 3. See, Jesus says of John what I thought he would say of John. But what Jesus asks of Jesus, or what John asks of Jesus, is not what I thought that he would ask. Can we go backwards a little bit? Back up to verses 2 through 3. I just want to encourage anybody. uh, Somebody might need to hear this one. Sometimes things make sense backwards with God. Some of you are in the middle of, you're, you're, you're in the part that doesn't make sense and you just got to keep on reading. 
You got to keep on living. You got to keep on going because sometimes it's the next thing God does that starts to make sense of the last thing God did or didn't do. So that's what we're reading in verse two through three, the part that doesn't make sense. John the Baptist. We got an introduction from Jesus of John the Baptist. We're about to get another introduction to John the Baptist. The one before the Jesus one. It's the same guy, but it sounds like a really different guy. Here in verses two through three. Now, when John heard in prison, hmm, I thought he was out in the wilderness. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent words by his disciples and through his disciples, John asks Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? He says, Jesus, I'm, I'm in prison. I'm in prison because I've been doing what you gave me to do. And John knows, and we find out soon, John's going to die real soon. He, he, this isn't one of those like, and then an angel came. And let him out. He's going to die. He knows he's going to die. And he's reaching out to Jesus. I'm in prison for doing what you gave me to do. I'm about to die for saying what you told me to say. And I'm here in this place I never thought I would be. And I'm about to ask you a question I never thought I would ask you. But are you really the one? Are you really, really the one? Or was all of this... Anybody? Or was all of this? Are you really who you promised to be? Is everything I hear about you true? Can I trust you or is all of this, all of this stuff I've done for you, all of this stuff I've said about you, all of this stuff I've staked on you, just a childish game and the buzzer's about to go off. Jesus, shoot me straight. I need to know, are you really the one? Wow. That's not what I thought that was going to say. If you read about John in Matthew chapters 1 through 10, you learn a lot about John. You learn about John mainly that dude was a fighter. <laughs> you don't cross John. Like I said, he's, like Jesus said, he's not some reed shaken by the wind that's just going to give if you push on him a little bit, right? <laughs> he didn't have anything fancy about him, so he's got nothing to lose. You know what I'm saying? People pushed on him, and he bit back hard. The man was a bulldog. man was a fighter. He was uncompromising. He was unwavering. He was, he was John the Baptist, man. That, that man, you know, you, know, you know those people that you just look at them, and you're like, oh. Don't mess with that guy. Don't mess with that girl. That's John the Baptist. He, he would stand up in the middle of public squares when the king was walking by and rebuke the powerful, oppressive people in power in front of everybody. He would stand up in the middle of public places and he would rebuke the oppressive, powerful class in the religious settings in front of everybody. Dude was a fighter. He didn't mess around. It's kind of like, he's, he's like what I picture when Kanye's like, I'm not mad, I'm just focused. I'm not mad, I'm just focused. That's John the Baptist. That song's about John the Baptist. 
But now the crowds are gone. The lights are going out. And this fighter, our fighter, John the Baptist, he's taking blow after blow, round after round, and he's tired. He's tired, and he's empty. And his, his gloves are off in the fight. Not because it's about to get real, but because he's got no fight left. John was the goat. And he ran out of fight. What happens when you have no fight left? What, what happens? It's not a comfortable question. You may not have thought I was going to ask you that in church. And you may not want to think about it, honestly. I don't, really. But what, what happens? What happens when you have no fight left? When this is not how you thought that this was going to go? What do you do when you get to the point that you never thought you'd be at? What happens when you're asking questions that you never thought that you were going to ask? What happens? And I think equally important and potentially an even bigger question is, what does Jesus do with me when I get there? What does Jesus do when I get there? When it, what does Jesus do with me when, when I'm not? What does Jesus do with you when you're not, when, when you're not, and when, when you can't be the person that people think that you are? When you can't be the person that people need you to be, when you can't be the person you want to be, what happens? What does Jesus do with you when you can't be the person that Jesus says you are? John can't live up to Jesus' introduction. Well, what does he say? Let's read verses four through six. Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you heard and see, what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And then verse 11 through 12, Jesus also says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has never arisen, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And this is where it's not about John anymore, it's about you. Because you're smart people, I'm confident most of you can read, and you probably have realized that 11 doesn't end right there. Jesus has something to say about you, too, when your fight runs out. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, and he's not done yet. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. I did not expect it to say that. I don't like that it says that. See, what I mean is, Jesus doesn't send John one of his cliche bumper stickers. He doesn't send him a nice coffee mug so he can cozy up by the fire with his Bible in the morning. That's not what Jesus said. That's what I expect Jesus to say, right? The bumper sticker Jesus. Y'all know him. You know what I'm talking about? The one, the one that, that is perfectly sufficient for when everything's going the way you thought it was going to go. Where you can just, you know, follow whatever, like, inspirational Jesus on Instagram and get your cozy thought of the day and it's good. That, 
you know that Jesus, that's not the Jesus who shows up here in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus doesn't give him the cliche. Jesus gives John fighting words. Jesus gets strong. Jesus stands up. Jesus puts his elbows out. Not at John, before John. Jesus gives John some, some fighting words. And it's not what I expect Jesus to say. But it's good because John isn't where John expected to be. And I'm glad Jesus doesn't say what I expected him to say when I'm not where I expected to be. John gets fighting words because John's in a fight. I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus gives you fighting words when you're in a fight. Because sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes you're in a fight. And it's not always a fight against the devil, right? So it's not always a fight against the devil. It's, it's not about being in a fight against people. It's a fight for your hope. Sometimes you're in a fight. Sometimes you're in a fight for your peace. Sometimes you're in a fight for your identity. Sometimes you're in a fight for what God's called you to be. Sometimes you're in a fight to just hold on and believe. Jesus, are you really who you said you are? I could stand in front of crowds and kings and priests, but I can't stand even by myself in this prison. This prison of what I didn't expect. This prison of this isn't how I thought it would go. This hopelessness of I don't even know if it's going to change. I didn't know I'd be here. Sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes it's a fight. You ever been in a fight? Sometimes it's a fight. We, uh, we wear a lot of different gloves in our life. All kinds of different situations. Oftentimes when we put gloves on, we put them on to protect ourselves from something. We put our, we put our gloves on to protect ourselves from something. I, I looked for it this morning. I couldn't find it because it's been that long. But back in my day, I used to play a lot of baseball. And I wore a baseball glove because how many of you know it's way better catching a ball with a glove than with your bare hand? <laughs> it, just, it just makes sense. It helps protect me. I, I used to wear a baseball glove all the time. Just a, a couple weeks ago, I, I got some, some new gloves that uh, were kind of specific for a hunt I was going on that was really fun. I'm not going to tell you about it in case you don't like guns and stuff. Don't worry. I don't want to offend anybody. But I, I needed to put my gloves on because it was cold and I needed to protect my hands for some things, right? Like you put gloves on when it's cold, right? Yeah. yeah okay. I had a friend one time. He showed me gloves like this. I'm going to put them on so you can see how weird they are. He showed me these gloves like this, and he was a, his job was he was, a, he was a lineman, not like a football one, like a power line one. So, like, he, he worked on power lines and stuff, and he showed me he had gloves like this. His were way more intense than this one even. But he showed me these gloves, and what these gloves do for guys like him and those, those crazy dudes. Because you got to work on those. You can't turn off the power to the whole city to get them going, right? Like, there's not the breaker switch, like at your house. They touch those lines. So they put on gloves like this. And these gloves, they're actually called, they're called insulating gloves. Insulating gloves. They insulate them from the power of the lines that they're touching. And uh, these gloves right here are rated to uh, 7,500 volts, which I don't even know what that means, but I know it kills you real fast. <laughs> so what I touch with my bare hand that'll kill me real fast, I can grab on with these and not be affected. I can touch them. And, and they make gloves like this that are three, four, five times this type of rating. But I wasn't going to go through all the trouble to get in that just to stand up here for 10 seconds with them on. But we wear a lot of gloves in our life 
to, to protect us from some things. And uh, I can't even move my notes with these gloves on. That's how insulating they are. But we wear gloves for so many different things. We oftentimes wear them to protect ourselves. And it's amazing to me that we can find gloves in our life and gloves in our world like this that can, uh, that, that can allow me to touch something that ought to completely change everything about me, right? You grab that power line, it's going to change some things. <laughs> Something's got to give and it's not the power line. <laughs> Am I right? How can I have a glove that takes something that should change me like that and become something that just becomes part of my normal nine to five? It's amazing. All I got to do is put some gloves on. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is suffered from violence. It says it comes by violence and the, the violent take it by force. And the violence of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven isn't as much a gloves off fist fight against the devil like we might think. I think oftentimes the fight is a fight to keep the insulating gloves off and hold on to the power of God. It's a fight to take the gloves off and grab on to the life altering, the eternally powerful, the changes everything. Turn my life inside out. If you are who you say you are, then I can be who you say that I am live wire of the living God. That's the fight. John didn't have any more punches to throw. But in his last fight, when he had nothing left, he shows us what the fight really is about. The fight is not about being the one who can always throw the next punch. The fight is to be the one who continue to hold on to the man that is Jesus Christ, made manifest to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the fight of the kingdom of God. And the church, us Christians, can we be real for a second and say some things that we maybe might not want to say? We've gotten to some places that, that we shouldn't have gotten to in the church. And what I mean by that is that we've insulated ourselves. We've insulated ourselves from this power by coming to church with our gloves on. Reading our Bibles with our gloves on. Worshiping with our gloves on. Going to life group with our gloves on. Being in relationship with our gloves on. Living our lives with our gloves on. And it's time for the gloves to come off. It's time for the gloves to come off. The gloves of unbelief. The gloves of, well, I've never seen it happen yet. The gloves of routine. The gloves of, well, I don't feel it right now. The gloves of remaining in control. The gloves of remaining comfortable. The gloves of trying to shape God to be like me instead of letting God shape me to be like him. It's time to take the gloves off and just grab on to the empty cross. It's time to grab on to the empty grave. It's time to grab on and be apprehended by the Holy Spirit of God. It's time to grab on to God and be changed and be shot and be lit up and, and just hold on no matter what. And it's violent. It's violent. It's violent. And you know it is. That's why you put the gloves on. I know it's going to change everything. That's why I don't let it. See, it's violent. 
It's violent to really believe that you're loved by the living God. It is, it is violent to really believe that you are adopted. It is violent to really believe that God lives inside of you and wants to come out. It's violent to disrupt your whole life so that you can spend time with Jesus in the morning. It's violent to shape your life so that you can fast the first Wednesday of the month so you can make time to worship and pray and believe God's not done with you or your family or your city or your world yet. It's violent to read the Bible even when you don't feel like it. It's violent. If it wasn't violent, we would all be doing it. <laughs> but it's violent. It's, it's violent to hold on to truth. It's violent to live in the world and hold on to this truth that if I got to sleep with you to keep you, you're not worth keeping. It's violent to hold on to the truth that Jesus is with me even when I can't see him, that God is moving even when I can't feel him. It's violent. It's violent to believe that I'm the one to take Jesus to my friends. I'm the one to tell my family about Jesus so that they can have heaven now and later. It's violent to believe that I'm the one. It's violent to believe that I can't afford not to tithe. It's violent to believe that my life is just a breath it's going to end soon. And right now, I have the opportunity to live every moment and make it count for eternity. It's violent. It's violent when I take my gloves off. It's violent when I take my gloves off and I grab a hold of Jesus. I grab hold of Jesus and his power starts flowing and shaking and changing and twisting and turning and... Uh, and turning me inside out and flipping me around and driving me and motivating me is violent when Jesus starts moving. It's violent when he moves in my life. It's violent when I touch something that something's got to give and it's not me. It's violent when I say I'll be the one that gets folded by the power of God. It's violent. It's violent. You got to be violent if you're going to beat apathy. You got to be violent if you're going to beat passivity. It's violent. It's violent to grab on to Jesus and to make this decision. I'm not letting go. Even when the people around you get uncomfortable because of your violence. <laughs> even when they get offended because of your violence. And even when people in church to make themselves, to make themselves feel better call your violence legalism. <laughs> I'm not letting go. <laughs> it's violent see the fight of your life the fight of walking with Jesus the fight of being who you've called who you're called to be the fight of living your destiny your best life all these things that we talk about in our culture and yet still fall so short of fully understanding it's not a fight for you to leverage other people so you can be great it's not a fight to impress God with how many hard punches you can throw. It's not a fight to be the best person in church. It's not a fight for that. It's a, it's a fight that says, God, if this is who you are, I'm holding on till I understand it. It's a fight, God, if this is what you say, I'm holding on till I can obey it. God, if this is who you say I am, I'm holding on until I believe it. God, if this is what is possible, I'm holding on until it happens. That's the fight of walking with Jesus. Romans, verse, or Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I want to end our time with this. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, you too. It's one of those words, you know, it's everybody. 
Don't get offended. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. See, what John ran into here at the end of his life is something that would do us all really well to know right here and right now while we still have life to live. And that is this, that from the beginning of time, God has met with his people in power at the altar of sacrifice. He's always met his people at the altar of sacrifice. First page to the last page, when his people offer him something, God shows up in power. And we gotta know that the point was never what the people put on the altar. There's stories where people didn't put the right thing on the altar, but that's because a lot of different complicated other things. If you read through the law and stuff, you'll see God says the sacrifice has to look like this. But if you can't do it, we'll make it like this. And if you can't afford it, we'll make it like this. What God's saying is, just come, just come. Because what's not important is what you put on the altar. It's the fire that comes on the sacrifice of whatever you put on the altar. That's what the point of the sacrifice was always all about. It wasn't about the sheep, it was about the fire. It wasn't about the goat, it was about the fire. It wasn't about the ox, it was about the fire. It wasn't about the dove, it's about the fire. It's not about your money, it's about the fire. It's not about your time, it's the fire. It's not about your preferences, it's the fire. It's not about your opinions, it's the fire. It's not about you, it's about the fire. God's not asking you to sacrifice because he's just like likes watching you scream. He's asking you to meet him at the altar because he wants to send fire. I've got good news for you this morning. But honestly, it's kind of only the good news that sounds good if you know what it feels like to have no fight left. The power that you're looking for to live the life you're called to is not found by being strong enough. It's not, by, it's not found by being able to throw the right punch. The power to live the life that you're made for is found in being a sacrifice being a sacrifice coming to the altar and saying God I don't have enough but I have me and I need you I need you to be the one I found the end I can't do this anymore I can't even be who you call me to be but if you are who you say you are then I can hold on to you God is doing in us collectively together. This message is obviously lacking really clear practical points for you to go implement in your life in response to this message. It's not one of those, but a few verses later here in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. And my prayer as I close us this morning is that each one of us, that we would have ears to hear, not ears to hear what I have to say and tell you what you ought to do, but I believe God is in the room that the Holy Spirit is with you, he's next to you, he's in you, and he's speaking to you, and he's inviting you. Every single one of us has something to respond to this morning. I'm praying that every one of us would have ears to hear whatever God is leading us to respond to, to his word this morning. Our prayer team is gonna come up to the front. We always have a prayer team up here because we just are weirdos and figure if you're in church, you should be allowed to get prayer for anything in your world. Whether you need to respond to something this morning, I need a miracle in your life. Whatever you need prayer for at all, it doesn't matter what anybody else has to say, you go grab on to the prayer that you need. The last thing I want to say is just something that we say every week. I want to make it so clear. If you're here this morning, 
never grabbed a hold of Jesus. He doesn't just want to flip you inside out and all that sort of stuff is true. He says it a lot of different ways. He says that by his grace, we can be born again. If you know that you have sin in your life that's separating you from God, if you've never been newly created so that you can have right relationship with God, don't wait another day. You were made to be in relationship with God. Every single one of us has sin that separates us from him. But by the grace of Jesus, through faith, we can come into right relationship with God. Don't leave today without coming and talking to somebody on our prayer team or with whoever you came with. Grab on to Jesus. Every single one of us has a way to respond. Every single one of us can say, Holy Spirit, where am I insulating myself right now? Would you come and teach me to take the gloves off of myself? Lord, we make room for you right now. We pray that you would come in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that we would have ears to hear your invitation, your invitation for us to come near and hold on to you. God, we're asking that we wouldn't be a people who are insulated from who you really are, but that we would grab on, we would lay our lives down on the altar of sacrifice. And God, as we do it, we expect you to send the fire that you always send. So come and do it, Lord. We invite you in Jesus' name. We want to thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can check us out on social media at Antioch Indy or go to our website, www.antiochindy.com.